Hey friends, I know it's been a couple weeks since I've posted a podcast, but in light of the U.S. elections, I really wanted to just take that time to just focus on one thing, get get that over with. Um, thankfully, it was over um, as of Saturday uh, that we didn't have to wait for a couple months for the results to come out. Um, and then just dive back into some important things. Uh, with this podcast, a uh, very important revelation that happened on November 1st was open enrollment, uh, which means that the Affordable Care Act uh, database is now open to new enrollments as well as modifications to your current uh, health insurance. So now between November 1st and December 15th, you can log into your state's website to make changes if you'd like, which I would highly suggest, especially in light of the COVID pandemic, um, being able to understand the importance of health insurance and making sure that you have the appropriate coverage, which is actually the topic of this podcast. And I am so excited to dive into it. In this podcast, we're going to explore uh, the major components of the Affordable Care Act, the illuminating threat on the act, uh, as well as some terms to take into consideration when you are selecting the appropriate insurance policy for your needs. The Affordable Care Act, or what's commonly known as Obamacare, was passed in 2010, which was a landmark legislation passed by the Obama administration. This was a step in the right direction in regards to uh, bringing about a national health care system in the United States. As you're probably aware, uh, many first world countries do have what's called socialized medicine, basically the uh, the burden and, and administration of health care is administered at the state level. Uh, and the United States, predominantly being a capitalistic nation, it's run by private by the private enterprise, making about $3 trillion of our, our GDP, uh, one-sixth of our GDP. Uh, I won't go over the explanation of that, but just know that healthcare is a very, very huge part of our uh, economy. The Obama administration saw the importance of, you know, over 40 million people not having health insurance with the cri the housing crisis that was happening um, after the, the Bush administration, people losing their health insurance. President Obama saw that it was important that Americans were covered and that they were getting the right care. And uh, specifically in lower income and minority communities. So with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, it didn't happen in, in any ease whatsoever. Uh, you probably heard that there were two separate bills that were passed and, and all that. But just know that, you know, with the, the, uh, the importance of having a majority in the Senate for Democrats, um, and 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 the House as well. Nancy Pelosi, President Obama, and, and others were able to work together to be able to get this piece of legislation passed, which for you is great because it got rid of pre-existing conditions prior to that. Healthcare companies, uh, insurance companies, were able to discriminate against those with pre-existing conditions. Uh, there were a, a, an array of conditions that were considered pre-existing uh, that that would disqualify you from insurance. So with the passage of, of Obamacare, it pretty much made it 
illegal for insurance companies to to discriminate based on on those pre-existing conditions. Another thing that was great is that it allowed dependents uh, to, to uh, students to be on their parents' health insurance up to age 25. So that was a a great. Uh, incentive for uh, the younger generation. But most importantly, what the Affordable Care Act was, it, it worked with the private sector in being able to provide tax benefits to low-income individuals to be able to get health insurance. So, you know, it's a federal it's a federal piece of legislation that is administered at the state level. So if you go to www.healthcare.gov, you can select the state that you reside in and it will direct you to the state's administered website where you can then sign up. Um, again, you can do that between Dece- between November 1st and December 15th. But what you do is you just go on there and you put in your information. Um, again, it's a tax credit. So what that means is that the federal government will give you an advance of a credit towards your premium. So you'll go in there and you'll put in your expected income for the year and uh, based off of what you put in there, it'll tell you how much you qualify for that credit. Now, what ends up happening at, at the end of the year when you file your tax return, actually at the beginning of the year for, for the prior year, when your actual income is reported, there's a form on your tax return that is that is that needs to be filled out or generated if you use an online service uh, that takes a look at what you received in a credit based off of the projection of your income and compares that to what you actually earned in income and if you you know if you were if you overreported how much income you you actually made then you should see a little bit of a refund uh, of that credit back to you uh, if you actually reported less than what than what you actually made you might have to pay back that credit so for example, let's say that you go to your state's website and you come to the question of how much do you think you're going to make in 2020? And let's say that you put $20,000 in there. Now, the system will then calculate how much of a credit you will get towards your insurance premium. So you go in there and you say, okay, I want this plan that's you know $400. It, it works great with what I want. So then let's say that based off of that $20,000, you're expected to get a $300 credit per month for that healthcare insurance. So the healthcare insurance costs you $400, $300 of that credit is applied to it, you only pay $100 out of pocket. Fast forward to when you file your tax return, let's say that you reported income that was $30,000. So it was $10,000 more than what you expected. What will end up happening is that you will then have to pay back a certain amount of that credit that you received because again, that credit was computed upon you making $20,000, but you made a lot more money uh, than expected. And so you have to pay back a portion of that credit. On the flip side of that, let's say that you know you went to go fill out your tax return and you only made ten thousand dollars. Well, based off of the calculation, you know you had reported that you were you were going to make twenty thousand dollars. You made less. You made a lot less. You made ten thousand dollars. You may see a refund back to you for the credit because again that credit was calculated based off of twenty thousand, not the actual ten thousand dollars you made. 
Okay, now that we've gone over the basic components of the Affordable Care Act and how it works, let's talk about your health insurance. Now again, there has never been a more important time to take into consideration having great health insurance. Because of the Affordable Care Act, thanks to President Obama, you are then now able to be able to have health insurance in the event of an emergency or just a regular visit. There are a lot of terms that are thrown at you when you are trying to select the appropriate health insurance, and I totally get it. It is so overwhelming. And before I became a CPA and, and really got interested in, in this type of uh, area, I was so overwhelmed by the terms network, out of network, PPO, HMO, deductible, copay, coinsurance. We're going to go over all of these terms so that you will have at least a, a basic understanding of these terms as you're going into it. Now, I'm not going to cover everything. That would take about a book uh, to write in order to explain that. So I'm just going to go over the main components um, that are especially important when selecting your health insurance. So let's start off with networks. You've probably seen the term in-network, out-of-network. Basically, what a network is, it's a group of doctors, hospitals, and healthcare providers that your insurance company has already pre-negotiated certain rates with. So they feel comfortable in sending you to them knowing that there's only a certain amount that they're able to charge for certain services. And so being in-network, again, means that the health insurance company that, that you're looking to buy insurance from has already approved them um, as a in-network provider and that you can go there knowing that you're covered, that you don't have to worry about any hidden fees and surprises. Now, out-of-network means is the opposite. The healthcare provider hasn't spoken with your doctor or the hospital or the, the healthcare provider uh, to be able to negotiate pre-existing or uh, predetermined rates. So, typically that you will have to end up paying more out of pocket for those services. Now, depending on whether the plan is an HMO or a PPO is dependent upon whether the health insurance company will cover out-of-network providers. What do I mean by that? An HMO typically is, is strictly for in-network providers. So you'll see these types of programs like Kaiser HMO, uh, basically that you can only go to the Kaiser-approved in-network uh, providers, and if you were to go outside of network, you were you wanted to go to a doctor that that wasn't within that network. Typically, the insurance company wouldn't wouldn't cover any of those costs ever. For a PPO, it has the luxury of of being able to go outside of network. It's not to say that the PPO is going to cover everything, but they say, look, if you have a doctor that you really like to go to and they're not within our network, we have a separate tier of, of reimbursements uh, based off of those the the uh, the nature of, of your visit. So let's say that you have a doctor that's out of a network, uh, but you have a PPO, you at least know that they will cover a certain percentage of that. Now, with the PPO, there's two different columns. There's the in-network and the out-of-network. And the typically, 
each of the rates and the and the terms for for those different types of categories are are significantly different. If they're in network, typically your deductible is a lot lower, your copayment and your coinsurance are a lot lower. If it's out of network, typically they're a lot higher. So let's go ahead and dive into the specific components of uh, the the plans that are that are innate to both in network and out of network PPO and HMO. A deductible is the amount of money you pay out of pocket before any insurance is taken into consideration. Now this is on a yearly basis. This isn't for a lifetime. So, you know, it's it's based off of the term year. So, let's say that your in-network deductible is $500. You have to pay $500 to in-network providers before any insurance is taken into consideration. Same is true with the out of network. Typically, let's you know, let's say that the deductible is five thousand dollars. So you have to go to out of network providers and submit a claim to your insurance company, even though they're not going to cover it, up to five thousand dollars. So you have to spend five thousand dollars out of your pocket before any insurance is taken into consideration. Once that's set, your co-insurance kicks in. Your co-insurance is the shared responsibility between your insurance provider and yourself. So typically you'll see this in a percentage. It'll be like 80-20. What that means is that 80% of the medical expense is paid by your insurance company and 20% is paid by you. And then your co-payment is your responsibility. So let's say that you know you're going to your doctor and the copayment is $15. You have to pay the $15 to actually see the doctor, not necessarily to 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 uh, it's not a fee for the actual services that are provided. It's strictly just to see the doctor. So that comes out of your pocket. So let's break this down for an example. Let's say that you go to an in-network provider and you have already met your $500 deductible. Now, to see this doctor, your copayment is $15. So you pay the 15 bucks and then you go and you see the doctor. And let's say that the doctor perform, performed a bunch of tests and um, examinations, and let's say that the total for those tests and examinations were $1,000. Well, since you've met your $500 deductible, the co-insurance now kicks in, which is, let's say it's 80-20. So of that $1,000, $800, which is 80%, is paid by your insurance company, and then $200 is billed to you. So what happens is your your doctor's administrative staff will submit a claim to your insurance company for that $1,000 expense, your insurance company will go through it and say, okay, we, we see our co-insurance portion is 80%. We're going to give you $800, but the, your, your client is going to now have to pay $200. So then the, the doctor will send you a bill for $200 after the, the insurance company has paid off their $800 co-insurance responsibility. So again, your deductible is the amount you pay out of pocket before any insurance is taken into consideration. Once you have paid your deductible, the coinsurance picks up, which is where that eight, that shared responsibility comes in. That either, you know, for example, 80-20%. 80% is paid by your insurance company, 20% is paid by you. And then your copay is completely separate of that where it's just you having to pay that fee to 
to see that doctor or provider. And again, it's important to remember that your insurance policy terms are on a yearly basis. So again, if you meet your deductible for $500, you have to meet that every single year. It's not, you know, I paid my $500 two years ago, why am I having to pay it again? No, you have to meet that deductible every single year. I would suggest if you're looking between a PPO and an HMO, you'll typically find that the HMO is a bit cheaper. And if it's really come down to cost for you, look at the specific HMO plans and go to the provider's website and check to see if all of your doctors and healthcare providers are within their network. If a majority of them are in the network and you don't mind not having that freedom to potentially go out of network, it might be a good idea to do an HMO because again, HMOs are typically cheaper. But, you know, let's say you do your research and you find that, you know, there's a doctor that you really like and they're not within that network, then it might be worth doing the PPO. You're spending a little bit more to be able to have the, the luxury of going outside of network. I also want to address the recent controversy that's surrounding the Affordable Care Act. Really, this controversy has started ever since it was passed. The Republicans have been trying to overturn the Affordable Care Act uh, to no avail, taking it up in Congress and, and failing. You <laughs> probably remember the famous John McCain thumbs down uh, to repeal Obamacare. And what ended up happening in 2017 when the Republicans passed the Trump tax, the uh, tax mandate. The the issue surrounding that is that, you know, part of part of the the reason why the Affordable Care Act was so successful in being able to pass was that there were a bunch of different loopholes that they had to jump through. One of them was to be able to create a a tax on a, a penalty for not having health insurance, which really became the backbone uh, to the existence of the Affordable Care Act. And the Republicans knew that if they were able to take away this penalty, re reduce it down to zero, then the constitutional nature of the Affordable Care Act could come into question, which is exactly what happened. In 2017, when the Republicans passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they had reduced that penalty down to zero, which then instantly triggered a uh, a, a battle in the courts in Texas. Um, the, te the state of Texas arguing that they have suffered some sort of financial burden uh, because because the Affordable Care Act was no longer generating some sort of income because of this penalty, which has now in today as of, you know, I'm recording this on Wednesday, as of yesterday, there was a hearing in the Supreme Court as to whether the Affordable Care Act is constitutional. And there has been some articles in saying that the just, there's two conservative justices that um, have questioned the the argument that it is unconstitutional. I'm not as hopeful. I actually listened to the hearing myself. But I think surrounding all of this, the, the reason, again, is that the the Republicans have been trying to undermine the Affordable Care Act uh, for quite some time. I think the the lesson learned from this is the importance of staying politically active. I know that, you know, this podcast doesn't really want to focus on politics, but politics infects our lives. It, 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 it affects every single avenue of our lives. And 
being able to vote for representatives that not only represent our ideals, but actually look for the health and well-being of of our fellow Americans is so important. If you live in a state uh, where Republicans predominantly represent you or uh, they are with, they hold the, the Senate seats in your state, I would encourage you to write to them and let them know the importance of keeping the Affordable Care Act intact. Even though that they have been unsuccessful on the legislative side, they're now pursuing it judicially, going to the courts and lobbying the courts to be able to overturn it, which is just wrong. I mean, this would technically strip away uh, healthcare for over 20, 20 million Americans uh, who previously weren't privy to having health insurance. And so, you know, lives have been saved because of the passage of, of the Affordable Care Act. And if anything, especially in this pandemic, I would argue that we need an even stronger uh, piece of legislation uh, so, so it would be able to weather any storm. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Holistic Budget Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it uh, on the platform of your choice. Also, please make sure to share this with your friends and family to get the information out there. I really enjoy doing these podcasts and really look forward to producing more for you. If you want more information about my organization, please visit www.holisticbudget.com. There you will find resources as well as some workshops that I have put together for your financial health and well-being.